Hey guys, my name is Pastor Vic, and today we're going to talk about how the events of Joseph's life can actually shape us into the people that God wants us to be. So grab your Bibles, grab your notebooks, and let's get going. Welcome back, guys, to part four of our series that we've been going through, A Road to Emmaus. Now, if you're joining us for the first time, my name is Pastor Greg. I'm the youth pastor here at the United Nations. Last week, we talked about part three of our series. And just to recap of what's going on with our series is, if you remember, on the day of resurrection, there was two men that were walking north to Emmaus, a village that was there, and they were approached by a third guy who we know as Jesus. And he began asking questions to them about what they did and what was going on in Jerusalem them at the time. And so he explained to them, those two men explained to Jesus about everything that happened from the triumphal entry all the way to the resurrection. And then Jesus, in a turn of events, he turned around and asked them and told them to have a little bit more faith and began to tell them the stories of everything in the Old Testament concerning himself. Some of the stories that we've gone through, we've gone to Noah's Ark. We talked about how the Ark represents Christ and how there's only one way to salvation. There was only one door to salvation and his name is Jesus. Right? We have to get on the boat because the door is closing. Right? The, another story that we heard about and that we, we talked about was Abraham and Isaac and how Abraham obeyed God to go take Isaac up the mountain to sacrifice his own son and how Isaac was obedient to the very end to even to the point where he was bound up and he was ready to be sacrificed, obedient to the Father. And we get a picture of how Jesus was on the day of the cross. This all happened on the road to Emmaus. And we're going to jump into another story. But first, let's pray. Let's bow our heads. Father, we invite you into our homes. We invite you to be with us. We, we want to hear from your word today. I ask you, Lord, to open us up for what you have for us, that we may receive what you're telling us, that your spirit flow within our homes. And God, we're asking you to transform us, that this word fall on good soil and that you grow it, Lord. We thank you. We thank you, God, for everything you're doing. We thank you, God, for everything you've done and everything you're going to do today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. We all say, amen. Now, real quick, if you remember, we've been talking about a Bible term called types, a types of Christ in the Old Testament. If you remember, a type of Christ is a prophetic symbol that represents Jesus, something that happened in the past that foreshadows Jesus himself. Right? In the case of Noah, the ark represents Christ. Right? In the case of Abraham and Isaac, we have the obedience of Isaac, the son, that represents Jesus. And today, if you want to open your Bibles, we're going to go to the book of Genesis, chapter 37, verses 2 and 3. And it says like this. These are the records of the generations of Jacob. Joseph, when 17 years of age, was pasturing the flock with his brothers while he was still a youth, along with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought back a bad report about them to their father. Verse 3 says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a very colored tunic. Right? This is just the beginning of our story. Today is going to be a little bit different because we're going to jump throughout Joseph's life. Right? There's so much that gets covered in the life of Joseph. We start in Genesis chapter 37, but believe it or not, his story doesn't end all the way until the end of Genesis. It's a lot. It's a big, huge story that one day maybe we should go into. But today we're going to jump through kind of quickly through his life on different parts that prove that he is a type of Christ and how those parts affect us today. So real quick, 
quick, Joseph is our next character in this series and on our list, right? Most of us know Joseph's story, and there's a lot we can learn from Joseph's life, right? Joseph is the 11th son of Jacob, okay? If you don't know who Jacob is, he's Isaac's son. Isaac had a son. Abraham had a son. His name was Isaac, and Isaac had a son. His name was Jacob, and Jacob had a son, and his name was Joseph. Now, these weren't the only sons that were born. He was the 11th son of Jacob. And when we just read is the beginning of Joseph's story, we find out that he is a son who was working out in the fields as a shepherd at the age of 17. Now, by today's standards, especially in our church, our youth age, we go from 13 to 18 years old. So if you're hearing this message and you're outside those numbers, don't worry. God still has a word for you. Right? God loves you and he still has a word for you. But in our church, if you're 17 years old, you are considered a youth. So Joseph, by, this, by our standards, is a youth in this story. Right? Israel, his father, loved him more than all his sons. And because he loved him, right? he loved him because of his old age. Now, scholars believe it's possible that Joseph was the one that took care of, of Jacob. Jacob was old. Jacob couldn't do certain things. And Joseph was there helping him all along the way. And that's what scholars believe. Or possibly because Joseph was Jacob and Rachel's son. Right? If you remember Rachel, if you go back a couple chapters and read the story, a great love story about how Jacob worked 14 years tirelessly in order to get Rachel's hand in marriage. And so they had sons, they had two sons, Benjamin and Joseph, and Joseph happened to be one of them. Whatever the reason, Moses, as he was writing this, made sure for us to know that Joseph was the favorite. Joseph was the beloved son, the one he loved. And just like Isaac last week, this is where our lesson starts. Just like Isaac last week, Joseph was the one that Jacob loved. Joseph was the one the father loved. Joseph is loved. God calls his son Christ, the beloved, if you remember from last week. I bring, I bring this thing up again because it's a reoccurring thing that happens throughout the whole Old Testament. And because God loves his son, we are blessed. Because God the Father loves Christ the Son, we are blessed. You see, when we're saved, we're covered in the blood of Christ. So when God the Father lays eyes on us, he doesn't see our wretched sinful heart, yet he sees his Son and greatly loves us. Because God the Father loves Christ the Son, we are blessed. Joseph is, beloved, is the beloved son. Joseph is the beloved son. And because of the rest of the family, is blessed. Towards the end of the story, towards the end of the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 49, verse 25 says, this is Jacob talking to Joseph. He says, because of the God of your father who helps you, because of the Almighty who gives you blessings from the heavens above, blessings from the deep springs below the ground, blessings from the breast and the womb. Right? It was because Jacob's love for Joseph that the family was blessed. Right? We'll find out throughout the whole story that because Jacob loved Joseph, the family was blessed. And like anything that is greatly loved, like anything that is loved, there's always a side of hate. Now, I have the burden of being a Cowboys fan, and yeah, the Dallas Cowboys, and they are greatly hated, but at the same time, they are greatly loved. Now, I love the boys. I love the star. I love uh, growing up with that, but I, yet I have so many friends who hate the Cowboys, and that's okay. That's fine, right? But uh, we keep reading in this chapter. We keep reading in Genesis chapter 37. You read about Joseph's dreams, right? We'll read about why they hated Joseph so much. Right? Not only because he was a favorite, but because of what he did next. Right? In Genesis chapter 37, verse 7, it says like this, For behold, 
We are binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf rose up and also stood erect. And behold, your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to my sheaf. So Joseph had this dream where there were sheaves of wheat. There were, there were basically wheat uh, grains that were kind of bundled together. And there was 11 of them around him. And he was in the middle. And in this dream, he says that all 11 bow down to him. So he's explaining this dream. And he's telling his brothers that there's going to be a day when all 11 you will bow down to me. Now, you got to remember, Joseph is the 11th brother. That means he's the second youngest in the family. Now, I don't know about you. I'm the oldest of three. I love my brothers greatly. I love my brothers. I love you, brother Jose. I love you, Stephen. I love you guys. If he came up to us at the age of 17 and told us, hey, I had a dream that you and Stephen were going to bow down to me, I would have looked at him and was like, bro, you're crazy. Just leave it alone and let's keep going. Because it just, it's unbelievable. It's like you don't think that way. Culturally and historically, it's always been the oldest brother who gets the blessing. And it's always been the oldest brother who always uh, gets the right to lead. So I would have thought that he was crazy. So I would have thought, I was like, forget about it. But the Bible says that Joseph was hated because of this dream. His brothers hated him because of his dream. In verse 8, that says like this, Genesis chapter 37, verse 8, it says, then his brother said to him, are you actually going to reign over us? Or are you really going to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Now I want you to, I want to point out something that the word is used is hate. I hated my brother, right? And it's basically this, this, this strong word that Moses used while he was writing this to make sure, the, uh, to, to reflect the feelings that the brothers had for Joseph. His brothers hated him for saying that they would bow down to him one day, right? What made it worse, what made things a lot worse was what he said next. See, Joseph did not only have one dream, but he had many dreams. So he had this other dream. Now this is where the kind of the brothers drew the line. Because in this other dream, he had the dream about stars and the moon and the sun and how all these things bowed down to him. And he explained this dream saying that the stars were his brothers and how the moon and the sun represented his father and mother. Now, even today, culturally, we always explain that we respect our elders, that we bow down to them, right? That we make sure that we take care of them, right? And so that's what was off about this. Right? It was kind of weird for them to hear this. But in the story, we have Joseph saying that his mother and his father and the whole family would bow down to him. And this only made the brothers a lot more angry. This is where we get some instance of where we relate to Christ. John 1, 11 says, He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. Right? Jesus arrived in Jerusalem as a king in the triumphal entry. They greeted him greatly, but he left there a criminal. He died on the cross as a criminal, hated by his own people. He was rejected by his own people. At the end of the week, he was rejected as a criminal. And Jesus came to his own, and they did not receive him. They rejected him. Even to this day, his chosen people, the Hebrews, the Jews, those people still, still do not accept him as a Messiah. They don't accept him as the risen one of God. They don't accept him as a promised son of God. They reject Christ even to this day. And what happens next in the story sounds very familiar to the Easter story. You see, if we keep reading in Genesis chapter 37, 
We read about how Joseph's brothers plotted to kill him. Instead, the eldest of the sons told him, we can't shed blood. And instead, they stripped him of his tunic. You know, he had a very beautiful, very colored tunic. He had a multicolored tunic, and they took it away from him. They threw him in a pit with no water, and they also sold him for 20 shekels of silver. And at the end, they faked his death so his father would believe that Joseph was dead. Now, let me lay it out for you if you don't get it yet, if you're not hearing me yet. Since the Pharisees plotted to kill Jesus, the elders said, and put him on trial, let's put him on trial with the Romans so we do not have to shed blood. They stripped him of his garments right before they got to the cross, and he was betrayed by Judas for silver. He was bought and paid for by silver. And the Father turned his back, God the Father turned his back on Jesus the Son so he could take on the sin the whole world. Joseph is a representation of Christ, of things to come. You know, if we were reading the Bible for the first time, and we're reading it from Genesis for, and in and on, and we're reading the story for the first time, we might think this is a very harsh thing to do, to sell a man, to sell a boy to, uh, at most, to sell a 17-year-old boy and to fake his own death just because we were jealous and just because we were angry uh, at what was going on, right? We see this story happen and we see Christ concealed in this story to see that he was rejected by his own people. Now, let me talk about family for a second. If you're watching this with your family and you love them, hear me. Listen to this. Family members are some of the hardest people to evangelize to, to minister, to tell people, to tell them about Jesus. They are some of the hardest people to tell, to tell them about Jesus. The reason being is because they feel like when you tell them about Jesus, they feel like you're, they're being corrected, like they're in trouble, like they did something wrong, right? And it's like, oh, you're telling me what to do, like what's right and what's wrong. And that's how they feel. That's how they feel. The other thing is they've seen you at your worst and yet you, the one who's done wrong, are telling them what to do that is right. So therefore they're inclined to see you as someone who is morally right. On top of that, let's say you're ministering to your parents or your aunts and uncles. They may see you as the little boy in diapers or the little girl in diapers that they once saw last time they saw you. They still see you as the young one. Listen, do not give up. Do not give up. Don't give up on your family. Do not give up. Keep telling them about Jesus. Keep praying for them. Find ways to share the gospel with them again. Plant the seed and water it and water it and water it until something comes out, right? Because soon enough, one day God will deal with their heart and God will do something great with them through you or through someone else. My prayer was always for my family. That is, if I can't reach him, God, send someone that can. If I can't reach him, send someone that can. And then my prayer is still the same today for some of my family members, that I'm asking God to send someone who can tell them about Jesus, to, send, to tell them someone, to show them who you are, to show them the love of Christ. But you can't give up after not just trying and trying, and it's nothing feels like nothing's working. You have to keep going. No matter what, no matter how they treat you, no matter how they talk to you, you have to keep going. Don't give up, my friend. Don't give up because there's light at the end of the tunnel. The first thing I want to point out about Joseph to you guys, that he was the beloved son of, of Jacob. And just like Christ, he was the beloved son. He was the favorite. And because of that, we are blessed. You are blessed because God the Father loves Christ the son. And second is that he was the rejected son. 
just like Christ. He came to his own and his people hated him to the point of death, right? They crucified Christ, right? And may we remember that if we are ever rejected or hated for following Christ, the Bible says, and Jesus says, that they hated him first. They rejected him first. Remember that. Joseph is the beloved son. Joseph is the rejected son. Now I want to skip ahead into another part of Joseph's life. In Genesis chapter 39, verse 4, it reads like this. So Joseph found favor in his sight and became his personal servant. And he made him overseer over his whole house. And all he owned, he put in his charge. Now the story, Joseph gets bought by an Egyptian named Potiphar, who happens to be the captain of Pharaoh's bodyguards. Right? He's real close to Pharaoh. The Bible says that God was with, with Joseph. And verse 2 says that the Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man, and he was in the house of the master, the Egyptian. Because God was with Joseph, he was successful. And Potiphar noticed and made him his personal assistant. Two things to point out about Joseph here. One, Joseph is the trusted son. In life, you're going to find out that there are two ways to get places, two ways to climb the ladder, the corporate ladder, wherever you are in life. One, you can lie, you can cheat and deceive your way into a position. Or two, you can go to the will of God and God will move mountains for you in order for you to get there because it is the plan that God has for you. Right? And I don't know about you, but I'd rather be in the will of God than outside of the will of God. Because Joseph was consistent in his faith and in who he was, God blessed him greatly. And because of that, he is trusted. To this day, Christ has not failed me. He has been consistent with me. He has answered my prayers consistently. He's not failed me. He's given me what I needed. He's given me what, uh, even on some of my wants, but most of all, he's given me what I needed. He has more than earned the highest place in my life and the highest place in my heart. And it is why I trust him with my whole life, with every aspect of my life. And this is how Joseph is like Christ in the story, because no matter the situation, no matter what happened, Joseph acted and reacted the same way every single time. Joseph trusted the father and he did everything right by the father and he obeyed the father just like Christ. Joseph was consistent, and that is why he is like Christ. Second, verse 6 tells us that Potiphar left everything he has in the hands of Joseph. How much do you have to trust someone in order to leave everything you have? Right? When a servant is bought, and I need you to understand this concept. When a servant is bought, back in the day, they had to live where their master lived. So that means they saw everything the master did. All the good things, all the bad things, all the great things, and all the terrible things. Joseph saw every dark and bright corner of Potiphar's life, and yet he still, Potiphar still trusted Joseph with everything that he had. May we trust Jesus in the same manner that we give him all of our life, no matter how messed up it is. We trust God with everything we have, no matter how crazy it gets. We give it to Jesus. And I know, I know we say that term a lot, but all it means, all it means is to trust God with your insecurities. All it means is to trust God with what you're feeling, to trust God with your hardships, to trust God with the things that you own, right? To trust God with your family, to trust God with everything you have. That's all it means, to give it to God. Potiphar trusted Joseph with everything that he had. 
And it's the way we should trust God with everything that we have. Now there is a story in verses 7 through 17 about how Potiphar's wife attempted to cheat with Joseph. How Potiphar's wife came on to Joseph. And Joseph refused and Potiphar's wife accused Joseph of making a move on her. I know it's like a novella, but at the end of the story, Potiphar believed the lies of his wife and sent Joseph to jail. All for doing the will of God. Sometimes when we're doing the will of God, it may seem like we're going through a trial, maybe because it, we are going through a trial. But that trial is a test of our faith. It's a test of our testimony, right? how far we believe in God, how God wants us to grow in Him, and how we need to trust the Lord more, to have patience with Him more, to trust Him just a little bit more. And we see a picture of how God shapes us into the people that He wants us to be, all for being in the will of God. So far, we've seen how Joseph was a beloved son, now Joseph is the rejected son, and how he is the trusted son. The next and final thing I want us to learn from Joseph is this. Genesis chapter 41, verses 39 to 40 says, So Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has informed you of all this, there is no one so discerning and wise as you are. Verse 40, You shall be over my house, and according to your command, all my people shall do homage only in the throne, I will be greater than you. Now, skipping ahead to what happened in Joseph's life, right? He went to jail because he was accused of cheating on Potiphar's wife. While he was in prison, he met these two people, a cupbearer and a bread maker, a baker, that both worked for Pharaoh. They both worked for Pharaoh. And while he was in prison, he interpreted one their, their dreams, right? The, the bread maker had dreams, the baker had dreams, and also the cupbearer had dreams. And they told them to Joseph, and Joseph interpreted them. That means that he described exactly what they meant, and he, he told them exactly what they were supposed to be. And the thing that was crazy is that when Joseph told these two men about their dreams, they came out to be true. They came out to be true, right? It was something that can only come from God himself. So two years go by after that jail cell. The cupbearer has his place back with the Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh is actually telling the cupbearer and all the people around him that he's had a dream. And no one in all the land could help him interpret this dream. But the cupbearer remembers Joseph, how he interpreted the dreams, and he tells him about a young Hebrew who helped him interpret a dream. And he called Joseph, and Joseph told Pharaoh exactly what his dream meant. You see, in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh had a dream about these seven cows, and these, uh, uh, seven fat cows and seven skinny cows, and how the seven skinny cows devoured the fat cows. And he had this dream, and he had no idea what it meant. And Joseph went up to him and told him, this dream means there's going to be seven years of famine, that you need to store up in your storehouses food for, to prepare for those seven years. To make the long story a little bit shorter, Pharaoh had a dream again. He didn't tell anybody. Joseph went up to him and told him exactly what the dream was. Pharaoh trusted Joseph after that. Pharaoh trusted Joseph so much that as a result, Pharaoh entrusted Joseph with everything that he had and made him second in command in all the land of Egypt. And he says to him, that Pharaoh himself said to him, only in the throne, I will be greater than you. 
Meaning that he was the second in command. He was the second in command to do anything he wanted. Matthew 28 verse 18 says, And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Joseph at the moment had the power, had the authority to say who was going to get what and who was going to get how much. He was in charge of all the food. He was in charge of who was going to get all this food during this famine. He had the power to give and he had the power to take. Now, I don't know about you, but I need food to survive. Now, if someone were to take food away from me, I eventually would not survive. So Joseph had the authority to do those things. It was a lot of power that Joseph had. And he only had that power because God put him there. God had given it to him. And like Christ, all authority has been given to him in the land. This is how Joseph represents Christ in this story. That the authority that was given to him by Pharaoh was the only authority that God has given him. Now this next part, I want to focus on just a little bit because it's the, it, goes, it goes full circle to what happens at the beginning of the story. We kind of jump real quick to Joseph's life, but I want you to keep up here. I'm going to leave you with this. The Bible says that all the land was in famine. That means there was no food. That means there was a shortage of food. And Joseph was the one in charge to say who would get what and how much they would get. In one instance, there was a family in line. And Joseph recognizes them because that was his family. He sees his brothers. The Bible says he gets overjoyed to see his brothers. He doesn't run up to them or anything, but he sees them from a distance and he gets overjoyed. Again, Joseph had the choice to give them or to take. And Joseph, whenever they come up to the next in line, Joseph looks at them and says, here, take this. Take this back to your father. Joseph had mercy on the ones that rejected him. Joseph had mercy on the ones that rejected him. Are you hearing me? Let me say that one more time. It says, Joseph had mercy on the ones that rejected him. This is the most beautiful part of the story of Joseph's life because grace has shown up. We see grace show up in the story. And no matter what you have done, or no matter how much you've messed up, or no matter what you did in the past, the grace of Christ abides greatly. The grace of Christ is here to stay. Joseph is known as the beloved, rejected, trusting, powerful son, only echoing who Christ is. In that precious moment, we see grace overcome Joseph, and we get the best representation of Christ that we can see in Joseph's life. And it's Christ showing mercy to the ones that rejected him at the beginning. The ones that rejected him at the beginning, God, Jesus, showed mercy. The ones who turned him away and literally wanted to kill him, Joseph showed them mercy. He showed them grace. He gave them what they did not deserve, and yet he still gave it to them freely. Here's the thing, God wants to do that for you today. And I know who I'm speaking to. I know you've messed up. I know you feel like you can't come to church because you feel guilty for what you've done. I know who you are. But friend, listen, God is so merciful that he says that what you've done is not enough for, to, to outgrow his love. That whatever you've done, you can come back to him. Whatever you've done in the past, it does not matter because when it collides with the grace of God, you will be forgiven and you will be saved. 
to understand that he knows the darkest part of your life. He knows the dark corners and he knows the bright spots. He knows the mountains. He knows the valleys you've gone through. And yet he still loves you. No matter what you do, he still loves you. And he wants to be part of your life. And he wants to be able to grow in your life. Friend, listen, God is so merciful that he sees what you've done. And yet he still, he still wants you to come to him. Joseph, in the last moment, showed forgiveness. And at the end of the story, Joseph reunited with his family. This is the beginning of your story. This is the beginning of your story. God wants to forgive you and give you freedom for what the shackles of sin that has placed on you. He wants to break you free from the bondage of sin. You see, sin has this thing of whenever we sin, whenever we do something wrong, it starts to build up lies in our life saying that we can't do this. We can't come to church. We can't come to Jesus. Oh, I have to fix myself before I come to Christ. It can't be that way. Or else it's something that we would have earned. But no, that's not how it is. Jesus freely gives the gift of salvation. And we get what we don't deserve. Mercy and grace and salvation from our own sin. If this is you and you want to come back to Christ, or maybe you want to talk to Christ for the first time, you want to give your life to the Lord, you understand that you're in the need of a Savior, this is you. I want to pray with you. Right where you're at. Bow your head. There isn't any magic words here. All we're going to do is declare that Jesus is Lord of your life. Bow your head. Close your eyes. You ready? Because God's been waiting for you. Repeat this after me. God, I know that I am a sinner. I know that I deserve the consequences of my sin. However, I am trusting in you as my Savior. I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that his death and resurrection provided for my forgiveness. I trust in Jesus and in Jesus alone as my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me and forgiving me. Amen. If you prayed this prayer, let me pray for you. Guys, all those people who are also listening, if you're saved, I want you to pray for those people who have given their life to Christ. If you know someone who needs Jesus, I want you to pray for them right now too. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, for everything you're doing. I thank you, God, because there have been lives out there that have, been, that have, come, have come to you. They have committed their lives to you, and they have given their life to you. Jesus, help us in this time of need. We're grateful and we love you, God. We thank you over and over and over again because you have been so good to us, even though we have not been good to you. You have been so faithful to us, even though we have failed you, God. In every aspect, God, we love you and we thank you over and over and over again, Lord. God, I pray a special blessing for everyone listening to this message, God. That you continue to be with us, you continue to show us, God, who we need to be in you. 
that you chisel away our character, Father God, to make us like your son. God, we want to be like you. We want to love the unlovable. God, we want to chase after the lost like you did. Break our hearts for what breaks yours, God. And God, I thank you greatly for every family, every, every youth who's listening to this message and everyone who's ever reacted to your call, Father God, that they are going in your steps, they are going within your will, Father God. And God, if I know that they need a little bit of help, Father God, just continue pushing them forward. Use me, use anyone from this church, use anyone around them, Father God, so they may get closer to you, God. God, we're trusting you and we love you and we can't do this without you. Help us, God. Remind us, remind us over and over again that you are so good. Fill our minds with your love. Fill our hearts with your love. And God, if just whatever we lack, God, give it to us. Thank you, God, because you're so good. You're so good. We trust you. We love you. We thank you, God, for everything you've done. Thank you, God, for what you're doing right now and everything you're going to do in the future. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. We all said,
Thank you guys for watching. I hope today was a blessing to you. If you haven't done so yet, please text C-L-A-Y, Clay, to 84576. If you missed that, it's right there. Right. And if you haven't done follow our pages yet, like, subscribe, to keep up with us. You guys, just remember to stay faithful. Right? Stay faithful to each other. Pray for each other. Pray for me. Pray for my wife. Pray for the leadership of our church. Right? We love you. We miss you. And every day, we're getting closer and closer to seeing you guys. Right? Pray that we return soon. You guys, we'll see you next time.